1: 96. And M. Martin wrote the first book Of what came now it's time The Babysitter's Club, club. Hi hi Heyo And welcome to the Babysitter's club, club Club A podcast in which I, Jack Alexander Shepard And I, Tanner Daniel Greenring Talk about the classic works of Princeton's own princess, Annabelle Matthews Martin the Magnificent. First of her name, last of her kind, and last hope for humankind. Stormborn. Baby Nation Tanner has walked away from the microphone, and I'm stuck here. You done? Yeah, I'm fucking done. I'm just gonna cut it all
0: anyway. Great. Can you do me a favor? What? Um, can you say the, the words Princeton Zone, Annabelle No, sorry. <laughs>
1: You got (laughs) incepted, motherfucker.
0: I can only think of her as Annabelle (laughs) Martin. Uh, Good. We know that's not her name. You're confusing Baby Nation.
1: I feel like if you know that you're Baby Nation, you also know that Princeton's own Annabelle Matthews Martin has a storied history. Yeah, but who's
0: Annabelle Matthews Martin?
1: <laughs> She's the author of the classic Babysitter's Cycle. And what we're doing in this podcast is we are reading one book in order from that Babysitter's Cycle every single week. This week, we read a book called Jessie's Babysitter. I read it. Yeah, we liked it. I liked it. Yeah, it was a good book. It was a very good book. Jesse books are fun. Yeah,
0: if you want a book that's just about Jesse babysitting.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's about sitting babies.
0: It's not about ghosts. It's not about bees. It's not yeah. about whatever. <laughs> it's just about babysitting. Yeah. yeah, you look, you look to Jesse Ramsay.
1: Yeah, a lot of babies that need to get sat, and one of the best babysitters in all of Stony Brook, Jesse Ramsay. Ramsay. What we like to do here on this podcast is describe for our listeners the baby nation we like to describe for them what happened in this book and we do it in a democratic fashion whereby i describe what happened and then tanner describes what happened shall we begin with that i would enjoy that very much great i'm going to give a little back of the book blurb of what happened in this novel and then i'm going to ask you to fill in the details with the caveat that you will only have 60 seconds to do so are you ready for that
0: I am ready.
1: Uh, Here's what happened in this book. No, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. You just have to listen to me. Okay. Cecilia and Stephen never had any children, but it never mattered because their love was their child. The daily kindnesses of a happy marriage, the felicity of mutual understanding, and the heavenly sweet looks of tenderness and longing that exists between twin souls, each part of a living connection that grew and blossomed every single day inside two hearts that beat as one. But when Stephen suddenly died, something died inside Cecilia. Forced to move in with her brother and sister-in-law as a housekeeper and babysitter for their suspicious and ungrateful daughter, Jessie, Cecilia tries desperately to pick up the pieces of her shattered heart and learn for herself whether there really is such a thing as life after death. Jessie's babysitter. Cheerful moment for um, you?
0: No, because Aunt Cecilia is a monster. <laughs>
1: We don't like her.
0: Don't <laughs> humanize her. Her she's husband bad. died. I don't wish ill will towards
1: her. She's tough to deal with in this She's
0: book. a tough lady. Yeah. Like, she's unreasonable. Maybe it's just because I'm, I'm too attached to my babysitter friends
1: now. Yeah. Oh, but you immediately took Jesse's side.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And just, I think I know you well enough. Mm-hmm. I know that rebel streak inside you. Uh, Cecilia drove me nuts. Yeah. I wrote down several times throughout the text, like, just disobey her. Yeah. She's being unreasonable.
1: Yeah. Just go. The ultimate indignity was in this novel, Cecilia, as a punishment for Jesse coming home 10 minutes late, yeah. said that she could not go to a BSC meeting. Right. I don't think that— in- Hey, Aunt Cecilia?
0: That's yeah. the premise of the fucking books. Yeah.
1: She goes to BSC meetings. It's not called Aunt Cecilia's like quiet time at home. Right. It's called The Babysitter's Club. Yeah. And there's no babysitters club without the fucking babysitters. And there's no Cecilia. babysitters club
0: club yeah. without babysitters club.
1: Yes. So you almost
0: you almost ruined the podcast, Aunt Cecilia. How do you feel about that? I'm I, sorry your husband died. I
1: am sorry. I and know. if you're, you're listening, so. uh, tell Cecilia that we're very sorry about Stephen. But also. A little overbearing. Oh, do you want it? You want a list? I wrote down a list of all of the problems with Aunt Cecilia. As and if you're
0: listening, tell Aunt Cecilia that I know a number of eligible older men
1: mm-hmm.
0: who I'm sure would love to take her out, mm-hmm. show her a good time.
1: Could you? Can you think of any in Stony Brook, Connecticut? Yeah, eligible older men. Mr. Spears attached. Mm-hmm. Mr. Prezioso is attached. <clears throat> Obviously, attached to boys' basketball. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. No, all the all the older men are dead.
1: <laughs> Where have all the cowboys gone? Nani is alone. That sounds like a Paula Cole song. If all the older men are literally dead. Literally. No. <laughs> <laughs> all the older men are dead. Watson
0: Brewer's father is dead. Uh-huh. We know that because... Ben Brewer's a ghost. Ben Brewer's a ghost. Yeah. Old Hickory? Nope, dead. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, the, the kindly old man that Stacy met last week.
1: Oh, wait. Oh, Dead. He died in the nursing home. No, there's no older
0: men in Stony Brook.
1: Do you think that's a problem? There are literally no unattached males in all of Stony Brook.
0: I think that's true. There's there's a cast of characters we have yet to meet, mm-hmm. and maybe some of them are single, but... I'm just saying we may
1: be on the edge of a conspiracy here. There are no unattached men in Stony Brook, Connecticut. There's got to be. Well, as far as we know, there aren't. Let Allow me before I put uh, 60 seconds on the big bad clock for you. Here are the problems with Aunt Cecilia. Yeah, absolutely awful.
0: <laughs> oh, these aren't your problems with no. Me. This these as as, as
1: as stated by Jesse. Yeah, absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. Smells funny. Yep. Bossy. Yep. Mean. Thinks Mama and Daddy don't raise Becca and Squirt and me right.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of someone.
1: Oh, I'm looking right at him. <laughs> <laughs> I do not smell funny. You smell funny. <laughs>
0: And I have some concerns about whether or not you think Mama and Papa. <laughs> uh,
1: listen, I have done my part describing this novel. Would you like to do your part? I suppose. All right, I'm gonna put sixty seconds on. Big backlog. <laughs> okay. I'm start now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just lost five seconds.
0: Okay, so uh, there's this is essentially just Little Miss Stony Brook again, except it's a science fair. Um, all the kids are excited about signing up for a science fair at Stony Brook Elementary, including Jackie Radowski and a bunch of other kids, Charlotte Johansson. Um, All the babysitters take a uh, kid, and they help coach them through the science fair. Um, This book focuses on Jesse helping Jackie Radowski build a volcano out of, I don't know, paper mache. Um, The B-plot is that Aunt Cecilia... A-plot
1: is that Aunt Cecilia, you haven't even got to it yet. We only have 20 seconds left. The A-plot is Aunt Cecilia. The the B-plot is Aunt Cecilia moves in
0: to take care of Squirt because Mrs. Ramsey got a job and she's a real tyrant awful awful tyrant leader and the girls rebel against her and at the end of the thing jackie loses but learns a valuable lesson and they have a discussion with aunt cecilia
1: and everything is resolved wow exactly 60 seconds yes (laughs) that's the way that segment's supposed to work that was awesome i liked the energy um why did you describe the B plot as the A plot and the A plot as the B plot? The
0: B plot was the A plot and the A plot was the B plot. <laughs> I bet if you I know the book was called Jesse's Babysitter. Yeah. So you'd think that the Aunt Cecilia stuff would be the A plot. But I bet if you did a sentence by sentence breakdown of this book, more time was dedicated to Jackie Rudowski's. Jackie Rudowski and the
1: science fair. Fair. I bet so. Yeah. Uh as one entry into this novel, uh uh-huh. I would like to start. With a role play. Okay. Uh, you are a Cub reporter.
0: Okay. My name is
1: Pierre
0: La Résistance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. You are a Cub reporter. I
0: am, I am writing for Le Mans.
1: No, you're writing for the Stony Brook News.
0: Stringer for Le Monde.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, I am the editor in chief in this role play. Of Le Monde? No, of the Stony Brook News. Oui, oui. And Pierre, uh, I think it's Le Monde. So the
0: thing about French is they swallow the last consonant okay. of every word. Listen Pierre, Ever?
1: You, you know you know that better than I yeah, do. Yeah. That. I'm sorry to correct you. So
0: it's uh it's actually uh Lemon. Okay. You you swallow the un at the
1: end? Okay. Yeah. Pierre, what's your your name is Pierre La Résistance. Oui. Uh, my name is Crispin uh Mouse.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> My name is Crispin Deflatermouse, uh-huh. and as you know, Pierre, I am the editor of the world-renowned Stony Brook News.
0: Oui, oui. And I am a cub reporter. <laughs>
1: this is going to be really hard. Do you know why I've called you into my office today, uh, Pierre?
0: Do, do you have a scoop for me to investigate? <laughs> well, I have two I've got to stop doing French. My name is... <laughs> <laughs> chuck winchester <and> <laughs> there we go and i'm american now
1: <laughs> well now my name seems stupid <laughs> chuck yeah do you know why i've called you in my office today no boss cub reporter yep uh, no chief I, i've called you in for two reasons
0: we we uh yeah
1: <laughs> and they're related we, first of all i yes. want to thank you for your hard work on this paper you're no basically problem. as a cub reporter you're basically keeping this paper afloat
0: No problem, man. You know what? You don't have to thank me. All these Pulitzers I've won. Yeah. Thanks
1: enough. You know this, but it was your work that helped to almost bring the phantom phone caller to justice. Right. The French witch hunters that invaded our city and suddenly disappeared— Mm-hmm. You were behind that investigative reporting? Yep. I did a lot of very good uh,
0: photojournalism work there. We we couldn't have... Won a ton
1: of awards for that yep. stuff, huh? It's great stuff, and that's why that's why you're one of the best cub reporters on our staff. You're <sighs> dogged. You're determined. Uh, mm. If it weren't for you, nobody would have ever looked into this weird, dull thing that seems to be happening here in our native town of Stony Brook. See? I mean, we. I mean, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But listen, yeah. Chuck, Yeah, I could sit here and compliment you all day. That's not why I've brought you in here. The reason that I've brought you in here is I, I need, gave
0: that conflict a human face. Yeah,
1: and it's beautiful. I tear up every time I think about the work that you did. Listen, we're not here to compliment you. You should know that. You've never been a man who lives for the awards. You live for what you can I'm very dig very proud up of my awards. And mm-hmm. how you can inform the public. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that you've risen— to the level, the the highest level available at the Stony Brook News, Cub Reporter. Cub Reporter, reporter right.
0: <laughs> I mean, I am a stringer for LeMond,
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, <laughs> in, based in Connecticut. <laughs> I need to put my best and brightest on a new story. Uh uh-huh. I've already got a couple guys working this beat, uh-huh. but we need to go deeper. Okay. Try not to be too excited right now, okay. but I'm going to put you on the SMSB. beat,
0: Stony Brook Middle School. Yeah. Okay. I need. Okay. What's listen, going on there? Is, is, is there a is there a hidden drug cartel? <laughs>
1: is there? Uh, listen, you saw the stuff that we did a few weeks ago on the uh, Stony a, Brook. Has
0: Ebola bubbled up there
1: on the Little Miss Stony. Brook. What do
0: you need me to give a human face to?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're. What human
0: interest story do you need me, Chuck Winchester, <laughs> cub reporter? <laughs>
1: Stringer for LeMond. Stringer
0: for LeMond. Multiple pollers a winner. Yes.
1: What do you need me to, like, go and capture? Stony Brook Middle School. Yeah. I just found this out. And listen, I know you're going to want me to burn my sources, but a good editor never burns his sources. Yeah. But I can tell you right now, Stony Brook Middle School is holding a science fair. I
0: see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, like... They're, they're manufacturing meth. They're they're working on a cure for cancer. i got word that one of the participants uh-huh. is making a volcano. Okay, so we're talking about weather augmentation. <laughs> uh, what is this in service of fixing? Chuck, you're getting the, ahead of yourself.
1: The global warming is this? Chuck, it, it's a, a baking powder and, and vinegar.
0: Okay, so what else is happening at the event then? Is there,
1: is well, there listen, someone there? You, you've, have you seen the stuff that it's we've done? Cl- like human cloning? You've read, you read the Stony Brook news, right? Stem cell research? Right? The, yeah, yeah. The stuff that, if it bleeds, it leads. That's my motto. Right. We cover the Little Miss Stony Brook pageant. Yeah. Uh, we cover- Very, very tragic, bloody affair. <laughs> when Mrs. Hall's class held an art fair, we had five reporters to cover that. Right. And- The big thing that is happening this year. As
0: you know, when that happened, as you know, I was in um, Japan covering Fukushima.
1: You missed that. that. Well, I'm glad you're back home. Yeah. I'd like to assign you to be head cub reporter.
0: Right. What's Yeah, I'm in. I'm in, boss. What's my story? What's my angle? Uh, What should I be pursuing? Who's Which shady
1: characters am I trying to throw the curtain back on and expose? Hey, listen, that's for you to figure out. Stony Brook Middle School, as I have told you, is holding a science fair That's all I know Looking forward to having you on the job Okay Good I'm on it Good um, <laughs> We don't have to make noises when we, when we, when we Slam door uh, Stony Brook News is always there Yeah When some shit happens Yeah I mean <laughs> it's Stony- Chuck Winchester's there looking for a scoop man
0: He's like something's going down at this place The entire town is here Yeah Like something is happening
1: Yeah Stacy rolled her eyes. Oh, wow. You should see her. She is in science heaven. She found out that the names of the three winners will appear in the Stony Brook news. (laughs) Like, who fucking reads this newspaper?
0: There's just nothing happening in Stony Brook, which I know is not true. They could be covering the the mass hallucinations that everyone is having.
1: Stony Brook was built on an ancient burial ground. (laughs) Right? Like (laughs) Cover that. (laughs) There was a house... That didn't exist two weeks ago that suddenly sprung up at the end of the road. Yeah. And then was demolished. Yeah. That's not all...
0: not not newsworthy.
1: Yeah. That's all I wanted to talk about, the Stony Brook News. I thought it would be a nice way into this novel. Um Uh so you we were both anti on Cecilia.
0: Yeah, she was bad. She was a bad <laughs> bad
1: mean lady. <laughs> she, she smells funny, she's bossy, she's mean, she's absolutely awful.
0: Check, 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 check.
1: Yeah. Jesse and Becca don't necessarily handle it in the best of ways.
0: Aunt Cecilia is a bad lady. She's a mean, bad lady. The she moves into town to take care of the girls because Mrs. Ramsey gets a job. Mm-hmm. So Mr. and Mrs. Ramsey are both employed now. They need someone to take care of Squirt. Yep. They need someone to watch the girls, Jesse and Becca. Mm-hmm. But Aunt Cecilia comes in, and she's she's Aunt Dictator, right? As 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 Becca stated. and Je- and Jessie refer to her over and over. Again. Yeah. She's making all these rules. She doesn't trust Jesse. Honestly, it doesn't even seem like she really likes Jesse that much.
1: Um, I have a whole section entitled On Cecilia and the Totalitarian State. Uh-huh. <laughs> Trying to find a way to shoehorn it in here. Uh-huh. But On Cecilia and Jesse end up wrapped in this endless back and forth, like volley of two strong minds, one against the other. Uh Aunt Cecilia is essentially like attempts a bunch of different classic control techniques. The first thing she does is she tries to divide Jesse from her babysitters club. Right. She recognizes who Jesse's friends are and she like her first act of punishment and discipline is to say, Jesse, you can't go to the babysitters club. Uh-huh. And then the second thing is she does that I think is a really brilliant technique and really interesting, is she allows Jesse to acquiesce and become a participant in her own crimes so that Jesse can't appeal to a higher authority. Explain. She, so Jesse and Becca, when they realize that Aunt Cecilia is laying down the law, right, try to get back at her by putting shaving cream in her shoes. Guerrilla warfare. Guerrilla warfare. Right. Shaving cream in her shoes, spiders in her bed. Right. What Aunt Cecilia does that is her most brilliant move in this entire book is nothing at all. Right she, she doesn't react, she doesn't react. She doesn't tell Mr. and Mrs. Ramsey. Yeah, she never acknowledges that this is happening, right. And by doing so, she makes Jesse and Becca complicit in her discourse, in her discourse community, which is the discourse community of totalitarianism, okay. a discourse community whereby the like whoever is the strongest survives. This, this strongman rule, where it's like, oh, you want to. We're having warfare where it's just between you and me. You're just as bad as I am. You're putting shaving cream in my shoes. I'm not letting you go to the babysitter's club meeting. And so it's this brilliant move whereby Aunt Cecilia has cut Jesse off from any discourse community that might have a different way of resolving things. Okay. Such as a democracy. Right. Uh, whereby. She might appeal to her parents and everybody gets a vote. Right. I don't know. Aunt Cecilia's fucking awful. Go to hell, Aunt yeah. Cecilia.
0: Not a fan. Not a fan.
1: I hope she does not last very long in these yeah. books. Well, I don't know. They had the opportunity to send her packing. No, I have no. a feeling that this is not the last that we have seen of Aunt Cecilia.
0: I don't like it. I don't. I want this to be the last we have seen of her. She's too mean. Um, what does it mean, Jack? Speaking of authority. Uh-huh. And the discourse communities.
1: Thank you. Thank you for participating in my discourse community. What does it
0: mean at the end when they confront Aunt Cecilia? Mm -hmm. They sit down for a family conversation with the Ramses and they get it all out. They air their grievances. And then Aunt Cecilia, instead of. So Aunt Cecilia tells Mom, Pa, Ramsey, the girls have been pranking me. And they're like, girls, you're grounded. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, wait, wait. Don't ground them. I have a better idea. Oh, yeah. And then three days pass, and mm-hmm. then the girls get pranked yeah. in the same way. What does it mean when the totalitarian authority stoops to the level of the guerrilla rebels? I mean, what I and, think and is... And resorts to their tactics.
1: What I would say about that is that the girls have appealed to democracy. Right. And Aunt Cecilia has taken it back out of that realm and back into the chaotic realm where she's more comfortable that is a realm of the strongman
0: so you think this is just more chest beating
1: it's more it's 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 a lesson to all of us that lurking behind every happy democratic free society is the specter of totalitarianism it's chilling it's chilling is this uh, is this it's all ep- right here in a children's book? Is this episode coming out on election day? Out of interest, <laughs> no, just a couple <laughs> days after. <laughs> okay, good.
0: The election well. will be decided.
1: Yeah. Well, we take note. We take no official views here. Um, do you want to talk about the prophecy?
0: I will. I'll talk about it. Okay. As we all know, Baby Nation, mm-hmm. and as we have known for a long time, the prophecy foretells mm-hmm. that the baby sat shall become the babysitter yes and that prophecy manifested itself in Mallory Pike yes when she went from being a
1: baby in the beginning of this series of books to becoming a sitter to becoming a sitter the sat became the sitter yep yeah. and now we've come full circle and this is a book that is literally about even in its very title a sitter who has become the sat. Well, this is an anti-prophecy. Yeah. This is like the the satanist bible <laughs> of
0: yeah, the satanic verse. For every
1: action, there must be an equal and opposite reaction. You cannot have one without the other. Right. And it makes sense that Jesse and Mallory who are twinned to each other, who are best friends, right, who are equal partners should have these two opposite forces acting upon them. And I, like, I don't know, like, I think this is something that Anna Martin is doing deliberately. I think that this question, this question of whether we are the sitter or the sat, is in some ways the ultimate question of life. Are you the sitter or the sat? Like, do you make your own way? Is fate what you do? I think or is it's, fate something that happens to you?
0: I think this is a new prophecy that foretells doom. Okay. As we know, the world will end in fire. Okay, right? Yeah. In in babysitter's lore. <laughs> you and I both know and we baby nation. You yeah. know this too. We've talked about it before. The, the last book in the series is called The Fire of
1: Mary Anne's House. Yeah.
0: We know that the world ends in fire.
1: Yeah. Right? We don't know how it's going to get there.
0: We don't know how it's going to get there, but this isn't wasn't the only peeling bell of the apocalypse this week. Right. There was also Jackie Radowski mm-hmm. building his science fair project. All oh, right. Which was a working volcano. Yeah. And he was just
1: obsessed with
0: a great purging fire sweeping over this nation. Yeah,
1: yeah. In a very endearing and lovely way.
0: I think it's recursive, Jack. We've reached the peak, yeah. and now we're headed right back down towards a valley. Okay. History is, is looping back on itself. Okay. The baby sitter has become the baby sat once more.
1: Right. The sat became the sitter, and now the sitter is the sat. Right. We know that that's established. In the and town.
0: Jackie Radowski has this vision of the world ending in fire, which we know is how this series ends. Right. Here's what he says: "We're supposed to think about whether we want to enter the science fair at school. Do you?" I asked him. "Me?" squeaked Jackie. "Are you kidding? I have bad luck. I would never enter a contest, even though I think it would be fun to make a volcano. Fun to do what?" I repeated. Make a volcano. I saw that on the Brady Bunch once. You can build a model of a volcano, and it really works. I mean, lava really comes out of it. That would be great. Lava everywhere. <laughs> the thought of lava everywhere made me sort of queasy. Even so, I said, Jackie, you ought to do it. Yeah. Jackie a- has now, He's he has this vision of a world covered in flame and covered in lava. Yeah. So we're we're regressing. And then, <laughs> and then... To further prove out this theory, and this is a stretch, and I need your help here, (laughs) the Pike Boys (laughs) play this game called
1: (laughs) The Wandering Frog
0: People, people, a game that apparently has been in progress for over two years now.
1: I wrote down one note about The Wandering Frog People, and this isn't going to help you. The Wandering Frog People has come up in almost every other book up until now, and we've never fucking talked about it. They talk about the Wandering Frog people all the time in these novels. They've never named it, have they? They've named it over and over again. (laughs) Wait, really? Yeah. I write down the Wandering Frog people in my notes every fucking book. How did I I miss this until now? I don't know how to talk about it. I've just blanked it. We've never talked about
0: it because it's too weird even for us. I think it's part of this prophecy. (laughs) I think it signals like we're we're returning back to, to the ooze. (laughs) you know
1: oh that makes sense we're homo
0: sapiens we're going back to neanderthals we're going back to to that makes sense right
1: yeah the the only person who is who might conceivably have that on their mind is somebody who is traveling backwards through time
0: right but let's not get into tracking jack yet okay because i really i don't i'm not done with wandering frog people yet okay This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hmm. What would I do with an extra hour in my day? Very interesting question, BetterHelp. Hello, everyone. This is Evil Tanner. I'm like regular Tanner, except evil. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, has put a little prompt here in the copy for us. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? My own website, which only exists on the dark web, of course, uh, wetterhelp.com, could use a little help. So I would probably use that hour to do a whole bunch, like just flood Facebook with one like, one prayer. Please go donate to my GoFundMe. I need to bring my website wetterhelp.com back from the brink. Betterhelp.com, they feel like there's a little bit of uh, infringement. I said, well, you know, we're on the dark web. You guys are on the surface web. Our whole thing is like getting people wet who don't want to be wet so it's like stepping in a puddle or like sitting on a bench that's wet that's us like that's what we do share this with a friend one like one prayer i will follow through on the like prayer stuff too i will be praying all night I would use today's sponsor, betterhelp.com. Of course, I can't. I am evil Tanner. I can only use the deep web. We do have a deep web version of betterhelp.com. It's called worsehelp.com. It's not good, but I think betterhelp.com is great from everything I've heard. Convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch at any time, no additional charge. Uh, Go check it out. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash bedfellows to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash bedfellows. See you there. Well, not me, but have fun. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs.
1: No, let's talk about the wandering. And frog And I want
0: to figure out. Did, have you? I read? don't believe you. I, I have, don't believe you that this has ever come up. Okay,
1: before. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it in other books. If you want to wait for a second. Okay. Okay.
0: They've been playing this one game of wandering frog people for two years, Jack. Yeah. These are young boys. Like they've been playing this game like most of their lives.
1: Uh, okay, so I found it in numerous previous books. The Wandering Frog People. I can't believe I've been as
0: often as I have.
1: In book number five, The Ghosts at Dawn's House. What are you guys doing in the dark? I asked. Playing with our glow-in-the-dark space creatures, whispered Byron. They're about to be attacked by the Wandering Frog People, added Jordan. In book number 14, Hello Mallory. My brother and sister separated, shooting looks at each other that were as lethal as darts. You know... I said quietly, taking the toy out of Margot's hands. This thing is one of the triplets' wandering frog people. It doesn't belong to either of you. And in book number 30, Marianne and the Great Romance, she passed Andrew and David Michael, who were in the living room with the curtains closed, playing a game in the dark called the Wandering Frog People. Again and again, this has come up. And I write it down every fucking time, but I don't know where to go with it because it's so I can't believe strange. I can't believe I
0: missed it before now. It happened in this book, too. The boys were playing their endless game about the wandering frog people that has been going on for about two years now, which is one year and 364 days longer than Mal had hoped it would last.
1: <laughs> but Anne never explained let's go
0: upstairs and look at the books in our room suggested mallory maybe we'll find the wandering frog people while we're at it said don with a little smile mallory looked up the boys were gone that wasn't much of a surprise since wandering frog people is a very quiet
1: game (laughs) okay so we know that it is quiet Let's How do we play Wandering Frog, people? Any you, game
0: that takes two years, at least two years to play, is a right. game I want to be a part of.
1: <laughs> yeah, like eat your fucking heart out, sellers of Catan. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a very quiet game. It's played in the dark. And right? it involves props. Right. We know. Yeah. Because the girls were arguing over something that... That, may, that must have been part of their game. Right. But it requires absolute silence and absolute darkness.
0: We had a game for a little while. Mm-hmm. You and I? You and I and a couple friends. Okay. Where one of them had this bottle opener uh-huh. that was shaped like a human phallus. Uh huh. I'm familiar. And yep, we played this game where we would try to. Slip it into the possession of one of the other people in our little group of friends,
1: the, the originator of this game was an early baby boy andy oh yeah
0: Andy hello hey, Andy hi, Andy He I think bought the the dick shaped <laughs> bottle opener it was yeah. not it was not just dick shaped baby nation it was
1: it was a dick it
0: was a dick, it was like a it was a whittled wooden dick with uh-huh. a bottle opener on one end, uh-huh. and Andy invented this game where he would try to like slip into our backpacks uh-huh. or slip into our desk drawers.
1: Well, do you know where that the wooden phallus currently is? Absolutely not, no. After my wedding, on my wedding night, uh, I came home with my newly betrothed wife. Uh-huh. It was probably one in the morning, and uh, we finally finished all of our post-wedding celebrations. Gross. No, that's just like the part where you hang out with your friends. And is that what you guys call it? <laughs> yes, that's what it is. And we started opening the gifts that had been given to us at the reception. Uh-huh. And the first thing that I opened, I was like, oh, this is from Andy. And it was a phallus-shaped. It was the? bottle. It was the bottle opener dick. And I opened it, and Sarah, who's not in on the joke, was just like... <laughs> Completely dumbfounded and upset. <laughs> so you have it; I own it right now. I, it's the,
0: it, the balls in your court.
1: I've hidden it inside a drawer in my house because I don't. I just don't. I don't know. It's a. It's a curse.
0: But that sort of the the parameters that we know of mm-hmm. wandering frog people. Yeah, sort of match our. You give
1: someone something in the dark. It. It's dark. It's quiet. It wandered. It wandered. It wandered. To you. So you sit in a circle in the dark.
0: Oh. <sighs> This is good. So maybe there's a toy. There's a prop. It's like a frog. Yeah. It's like a little frog man. Yeah. And the whole point of the game is just to somehow get this frog man onto someone else's person. Yeah. And then they're like it. Yeah. You know? They're the wandering frog person.
1: So the the mechanic is just...
0: I can't wait for our first live show. Oh, man. Because I am very, very quietly and secretly going to slip a wandering frog man toy (laughs) into one of our listeners' pockets. Good. And then the game will will fucking begin. And then the game is on.
1: Yeah. Good. (laughs) Can
0: we say that that's the rules to wandering frog people? You're always playing. Everyone in the world is always playing. Yeah. If you have the wandering frog person...
1: On your person. On your person. You you have you, lost. You are the Wandering the, Frog person. The thing about Wandering Frog people that's different from every game is that, first of all, everyone in the world is playing. Yeah. Second of all, in most games, there is only one winner. In Wandering Frog people, there is only one loser. Right. Everyone is winning. <laughs> And one person is losing. <laughs> exactly. And that is why uh, when Mallory picks up the wandering frog, right, she is the one person in the world <laughs> who has lost the game. Uh, and it may explain why the sat who became the sitter lost that throne because now the sitter is the sat. Right. Like we are living in a post-sat world. After Jesse's babysitter, the prophecy has been reversed.
0: I wonder if this has anything to do with the shift. I'm concerned that there was a, I don't know what you want to call it, schism. Okay. There was a pre-schism mythology where Anne M. Martin was handwriting every one of these books. Mm-hmm. And now there's a post-mythology. Because as we know, in a couple episodes
1: back in Stacey... What are you calling the schism? I don't know. What 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 is the schism in your I mind? I think it's pre, pre-Anne and post-Anne. Oh, in, in book 35 when Anne stops writing these books by herself. Yeah.
0: Because we, we know in Stacy and the Mystery of Stony Brook that there was all of a sudden this new mythology. The the factions had totally changed. Right. It was no longer ghosts and cat people and wizards and demons. Right. Now it was dinosaurs, soldiers with their magnificent weapons. <laughs> uh-huh. Dinosaurs come up in this book. I know. And that's what I'm talking about, man. There's a whole new mythology. Yeah. There's a post-Anne mythology being established now.
1: Wow. <laughs> I I wrote down the quote for when dinosaurs show up in this book, but I wrote it without context. And the (laughs) quote, you can help me. The quote is just, I saw a small scale dinosaur war. (laughs) It's small scale for now. (laughs) That's Jesse walking around the science fair. Here's another thing that Jesse
0: sees. I walked slowly around the room, looking at the displays and experiments. I saw a model of a human heart made from Play-Doh, I think.
1: <laughs> it's so fucking terrifying. I this th- is you. Wait, you
0: think it was made out yeah. of
1: Play-Doh? No, this is why the, the fucking Chuck Whitakers of this world, the Chuck Chuck, Winchester. the Chuck Winchesters of this world, the great cub reporters of this world, get put on the Stony Brook Middle School beat. Right, because you go to that science fair, there's a small-scale dinosaur war. Yeah, there is a human heart that was looks like it may have been made out of play doh, but maybe uh, not. Maybe, maybe it's a not. human heart. This is where shit fucking goes down. I think so. We need to stop beating around the bush and talk about the elephant in the room in this book, which is related to a segment that we both. We, the way that we do this, we just say we say it at once. Yeah. Tracking you, Jackie. Jackie. <laughs>
0: we have to go back, Kate. We have to go back.
1: This book is about, and you, you, I've come around. Jackie Radowski is the A plot. Cecilia is the B plot. Yeah. Even though this book is called Jesse's Babysitter, right. it should be called Radowski's Travels Through an Infinite Universe. Yeah. Here's the deal with Jackie Radowski. What's the deal? Nope. You're not helping. <laughs> Here's the deal with Jackie Radowski. Every time he appears, he makes a terrible mistake upon arrival on the scene. He trips and falls onto the ground. He runs into a wall. Yep. He, like, swings a baseball bat and throws it in the stands. Right. He's, Everything he's a, that he's he does. He's a walking disaster. He is a walking disaster. Yep. What Tanner and I have discovered and what is corroborated in these texts yep. is that when Jackie Radowski – does those things it is not because he is abnormally clumsy it is because he is blipping outside of time right he has become unstuck from time in that moment which lasts but a second for anyone watching him jackie radowski lives a lifetime and the lifetime that he lives is based on the last thing that he saw before he blipped and then he comes right back and there's a skip there's a skip on the record right. He runs into a wall that's what we're seeing. This particular version of tracking Jackie.
0: look more complicated.
1: Is a little bit more complicated.
0: Yep. Because... This entire book's about Jackie Radowski. This
1: entire book's about Jackie Radowski, and there are two things of importance, and I'm going to lay them out for you, Tanner, and we're going to fucking work it out together. Okay. One, when Jackie is first introduced in this book, he is introduced in the following way by Jesse. I arrived at the Radowskis on time, parked my bike, and rang their front doorbell. I heard running footsteps inside, then a whoosh, a crash, and a cry of, Oh, darn! Darn! Oh, bullfrogs! Suspicious. (laughs) I giggled. I knew that was Jackie. Jackie! I called. It's me, Jesse. Are you okay? Jackie opened the door looking sheepish. I was running to answer the bell, and I slipped on the rug and fell on my bottom. So that's a blip. He blipped out of time. Obviously a blip there, yeah. The second thing that we need to note before we talk about that is that throughout the rest of this book, Jackie never blips. He never has an accident.
0: It feels like there's a blip coming any moment, but one never comes.
1: Here's a quote. That is related to that. So Jesse walks in the door after this first blip. Normally in these books, we would expect him to blip a number of times after that. But she, Jesse comes in and she says, let's build a volcano. Let's yeah. build a volcano together. Right. They spend a glorious evening building a volcano. Not a single mistake by Jackie. Right. At the end of that evening, Jackie turns to Jesse and he says, you know what, Jesse? This was the best afternoon of my life. And throughout the rest of the book, he never has an accident because he's focused on building a volcano. Right. Those are the facts. What I think is, first of all, he blipped. Right. The doorbell rings. He blips. He hears a bell. He hears a bell tolling. Right. And he blips. The second thing that happens is that he is focused on creating a volcano. Right. And he never has an accident. Completely uncharacteristically for him. Right. Jackie Rudowski has accidents. No, exactly. Why Why did Anne choose Jackie? Well, you have a thought? I have a thought. The bell tolls. Jackie blips to the near future. It's an apocalyptic version of Stony Brook. Bells are tolling. Bring out your dad. Yep. Bring out your dad. Ding. Bring out your dad. Everything has gone wrong. It's because... The bees have disappeared and the ecosystem it's has been apart.
0: destroyed. So it's the the peeling bells of the
1: apocalypse. Right. This is a, this is a cataclysm. It's a cataclysm. He blips back, runs into a wall. Jesse's like, Hey, do you wanna build a fire? Do you wanna build a conflagration? Do you wanna build a great volcano? Yeah. And it's the only thing that keeps him from blipping again into this terrible alternate future the burning of the volcano jackie is faced with this choice he sees what happens if you choose bees
0: okay (laughs) that makes sense to me (laughs) that makes a lot of sense to me
1: like this is why this is this is important you make your own fate if you're the sitter But if you were the sat, your fate is made for you. Right. This is the ultimate question that is posed by this novel. Are you the sitter or are you the sat? Is there a sitter? Yeah. Is there a sitter who is sitting you right now? Are you talking about God? I'm not talking about God. Anne is talking about God. Is
0: there a sitter sitting all of us right now?
1: Is there a sitter? Is there a sitter? And if there is a sitter... Do we get to make our own choices? If you think of yourself as a Jesse right now, you thought right. you were a sitter. Before right. this book, you thought you were a sitter. Yep. You thought you were making your own choices. Right. And then suddenly, the world comes into focus in a different way, and you realize that there is a sitter who is sitting you. So your act of and rebellion
0: the... is to burn the
1: world? <laughs> That's the question that is open to you. Burner bees. It's a long walk, Baby Nation. It's a long walk. But I hope you took this journey with us. The question that we established two episodes ago is "burn or bees." Burn or bees. Go back, look it up. Yeah, Jackie Rudowski has answered that question in a resounding and powerful way. Right, and it's burn. We it's burn fire. Which is the flame?
0: Frankly, where Jackie goes, yeah, I follow.
1: Yeah. I am not looking forward to whoever has to edit this episode. Me, it's me. I have to edit it. <laughs> Tanner That's, does. That is a pretty. T- we we got there. Do you know what we should do? <laughs> <Right>? No.
0: Get on board. Hop in. Daniel, burn away. Chris, Burns of the Week.
1: For new baby beats, this is a segment.
0: It's been literally 36 episodes since we explained what Burn of the Week means. Also, it's right in the title. <laughs> it's the best burns each week. Listen, did you have? No, I had one. This week, a Burn of the Week? Yes, here's my Burn of the Week. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Pike kids are building a library. They're making okay. their own Pike family library. Mm-hmm. But I have to figure out my science fair project, said Margo. How can I do that while you guys are having fun making a library? Margo looked and sounded, miffed. Easy, said the ever-practical Byron. You help us with the library, then, when it's all ready, you can go to the science section to work on your project. You can be our first customer. All right, cried Margo. "Margot, go tell Don and Claire and Vanessa to come up here, said Jordan. We'll need everyone's help with this. Margot turned and faced the stairs. Don,
1: Claire! Vanessa! Come here!
0: She yelled. Margot said, Mallory giggling, Jordan could have done that himself. My burn is on Jordan? Yeah. For not doing that himself.
1: <laughs> uh, Jordan can't get it together.
0: No. You can just shout down the stairs, Jordan.
1: Yeah. But he was too busy playing the Wandering Frog People.
0: His head is in the
1: game. His head is in the fucking game. And your
0: head has to be in the game when you're playing Wandering Frog People, Baby Nation. Yeah. As you all are.
1: Yeah. Like, in that moment, Jordan realized that he had a Wandering Frog person in his pocket. And he grabbed it and put it in Don's pocket. Yeah. He was like, was uh, dis- Margo, uh, you, you shout down. and Yeah. We're burning through segments. And... Let me tell you something that I don't totally know how to say. I did not <laughs> have a burn of the week. Great. I don't it's...
0: think you need to have one, and drawing attention to it makes it even weirder and worse.
1: No, it doesn't. This podcast is about truth. This podcast is about telling the truth. This podcast is about revealing the truth. This podcast is about finding I thought the it truth. was about
0: authority and this communication. Book? Good. Thank you. Discord. Yeah. Communities?
1: It's about discourse communities. This book is about authority, and it's about discourse communities. It is about authority in our lives, but it is also about the authority of the text. Right. The ultimate move in postmodernism is to question the authority of the text itself. Right? And this is a book that is about authoritarianism. It is about totalitarianism. It is about our relationship to authority. It is about our relationship to the ultimate authority, the great sitter. We are the sat. What is our relationship to the sitter?
0: This is your segue to tearful moments?
1: (laughs) Fine. I was going to get there, but I guess I'll just fucking (laughs) cut it short and ask you, did you have a... No,
0: absolutely not. I didn't... (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) did you
1: um you don't have to because i fucking had a good one i did have
0: one but it wasn't great and because i had a burn of the week and you didn't i feel like there's this need for balance now
1: okay can I register for the record that I was on a pretty good riff about authority <laughs> and you just brutally cut it short, no, that's which fine. is a totalitarian impulse. Okay. Listen, uh, so I had a like, I didn't physically cry tears in this book, which I sometimes mm-hmm. do, but the moments that got me in that way, that hit me in the feels, that caused me to have an emotional response. Right. Were... Both Jackie Rudowski. A very
0: human way of saying that.
1: Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> I was channeling Janine. <laughs> Jackie Rudowski and Jesse are building their volcano together. Yep. And Jesse has become a simulacrum of her aunt, Aunt Cecilia. Yeah. And is essentially trying to be this overbearing presence in Jackie's life and do everything for him so that he never learned. Yep. And Jessie forces him to try to memorize all these lines that she's written for him to explain the volcano. Right. And he keeps getting it wrong. Fine, he replied, but he sounded nervous. Listen to this. Igneous rocks are born from fire. The molting molten I corrected him. The molten rock that lies several feet miles Okay. Several miles below the surface of our wonderful earth. (laughs) I thought there was something beautiful about Jackie improvising in that moment, being like David Attenborough. (laughs) Several miles below our wonderful earth. Uh, And then he does it again where Jesse is trying to light the match for the volcano at the moment that she thinks that the science fair judges are going to judge it. And Jackie gets his moment and he throws his hands in the air and he cries, The miracle of a volcano comes to life before your very eyes. (laughs) I don't know. I just thought it was beautiful. I don't know if that's tearful. Yeah, what we're about to do,
0: yeah, is end the podcast. I've been Tanner Greenring. Let me just let's quit now. I've been Tanner Greenring.
1: No, but the way to do it is to let me let me just bleed us out. Yeah, we ran through all our segments. We ran through all our notes
0: and then some.
1: I think everybody has a lot to think about tonight. I have been Jack Shepard, and
0: I have been Tanner Greenring. <laughs>
1: This has been another episode of the Babysitter's Club, Club Club. We just read Jesse's Babysitter. The next book that we are reading is called Dawn and the Older Boy.
0: I thought there were no eligible bachelors in Stony Brook.
1: Well, things are about to change. How much older? Uh, it's important. It's... Is he is in his 60s or 70s? <laughs> I know someone. It's tough to say. We're going to find out next week. Until then, Claudia is wearing a bra now. And the way she talks... You would think the boys had just been invented.
0: I'm going to work on my Jack impression so that I can somehow sound just like you, so that I can go in and re-record bits. (laughs)
1: <laughs> As to, you To suit your needs Let me
0: see if I can try it uh, uh. <laughs> Princeton's own and Matthews Martin Is that good?
1: Okay I'll, I'll be Tanner <laughs> Oh that's great Jack